First tonight to the arena of committee room three in Leinster House. In the red corner, the country's highest paid civil servant, an experienced battler who's well used to TD's questions. Secretary General at the Department of Health, Robert Watt. In the blue corner, the Doyle's powerful public spending watchdog on a wave of popularity after its summer smash hit showdown with RTE, full of household political names. It's the Public Accounts Committee and the battle all matters health service and ringside for good measure the chief executive of the HSE Bernard Gloucester and lots of blows were traded from very early on including here when Robert Watt was asked by Sinn Féin's John Brady whether he'd apologised to families of children with autism affected by the sharing of their private information between the HSE and his department. I don't recall exactly the details but I think we did we certainly Okay, met, you, t- you, you think you did so Secretary General, well, will you take the opportunity here uh, this morning to apologise uh, to uh, those families that were directly impacted? Uh, Debbie, th- this is an issue that arose. Year, my, this is an issue that arose years ago. I'm, I'm very I, conscious I, of I, it. But I the ruling, I sorry, Mr. Been... Watt, the ruling was only made last year by the Data Protection Commissioner and issued a, a, a fine of twenty-two and a half thousand. Your own officials say you got off lightly. I'm asking you now: Will you issue an apology to those families? Chair, I don't, I don't, I'm not close to exactly what engagement took place with the families. There are many engagements took place with the families and, and the legal position. And I'm fairly certain an apology was already issued in relation to well, well, the data re- were, well, were collected. Well, you're reiterating. No, I'll come back, Chair, on the, the exact details of what was communicated to families because I'm not exactly sure. Sinead O'Carroll, testy exchanges there, a large delegation from the HSC and the Department of Health in the committee room earlier. Among them, obviously, Robert Watt. This was highly anticipated, but how did it come about or what was its purpose again? I think we should just listen to you doing live commentary over it for the <laughs> yeah. hour and we'd be, we'd be <laughs> delighted. Um, yeah, so so that one there with uh, Robert Watt was the Sunday Independent had a report at the weekend that there may be a preliminary investigation um, by SIPO into how what utterances he has made about the protected disclosure whistleblower who had kind of revealed some of the practices that have been in the media about what they did with litigation Um what they did for litigation purposes. The HC and the Department of Health say it's very normal just to keep information on people who are involved in litigation. The whistleblower said, uh uh-uh, like, I don't think this is right. He said that, like, he was revealing rotten practices within it, Robert Watt, and the HC have always maintained it's a normal practice. Sipo said there, if, if there is any preliminary investigation, Robert Watt said today, he would, of course, uh, cooperate with it. So that was that exchange out of the way. But there was a lot more to, to be uh, talked about. And the, the funding of the health service really was the, the crux, wasn't it? And, and why this hearing was taking place. Yeah, so the the funding and HSC budgets are a funny thing. Are they real or are they not real? Are recruitment embargoes real or are they not real? Our health correspondent, uh, after watching uh, the the things today, said she, she couldn't figure out were things getting better, were things getting worse, was there an recruitment embargo, is there even a budget? Um, so we heard that there is going to be a health service plan um, in the next few days, So which would be about two months earlier than last year. So, you know, we're getting our plan like a little bit earlier in the year. So that was one thing that we heard kind of a little bit more solidly of. Um, we don't know exactly what the deficit will have been for 2023, but it's probably 500 million. Are they going to need up to 1.75 billion this year? So there was a lot of questions. There was a, t- a lot of talk about what budgets could be, but, you know, they're so, so astronomical. 
um, we're getting to a point that some of it's just kind of fanciful talk anyway and we just have to spend what we spend we have to recruit who we recruit and we'll go from there and one of the funniest things was Gloucester saying he doesn't even know if his recruitment embargo is well, working Well I, I think we can actually hear some of that now Sinead the first thing is related to the recruitment embargo is it's hard to know how successful it was because we still finished the year with 8,300 net growth than um, the start of last year. We were only meant to finish with 6,100, so I'm not sure if my embargoes are very successful in the first place. Um, there's a number of posts derogated from it. Critical posts are continuing to be filled. The posts I think you're talking about that have been your phrase scrapped, my phrase uh, paused and delayed, are posts that are planned over a multi-annual cycle to improve clinical programmes okay. and services. People anticipated somewhere between four or 5,000 uh, posts. Do, do, do. Just say a further amount of those posts are now currently being considered uh, to be funded for this year. Alan Farrell of Finnegale, are you surprised to hear the Chief Executive of the HSE to say he's unsure that this recruitment ban actually worked? Yes. Why so? It's hard to be not uh, slightly taken aback when the chief executive of the HSC says that uh, at the Public Accounts Committee. Um, I mean, there there has to be processes and systems in place for the HSC to measure that and to know precisely how many individuals they have um, from one end of the year to the next. I mean, there is certainly, um, you know, there has to be recognition that there's been an extraordinary increase in personnel within the HSC since 2020, of course, during the COVID years um, I think it was 26,000 yeah 26,172 yes, and, and Mr said there were HSC had hired more staff in the last three years uh, than since the inception of the executive right. in 2005 but So we still, have we've 8,000 new nurses 4,000 uh, and, and nurses and midwives 4,000 health and social care professionals uh, and 2,900 medical and dental care professionals alone um, you know, there's been a very, very significant increase in the budget, as we have all been noting, um, that didn't stop after COVID. Um, but there, and are the still, there are still gaps there as there well. There absolutely are. And I and I think, look, I was at Leaders' Questions both yesterday and today. And, you know, it's very easy to, to kind of establish that, first and foremost, we are getting older. We are uh, growing as a state. Um, So therefore, you will always have to spend more money to meet those demands. And it is a demand led service. uh, And therefore, the budgets are always going to be difficult to stick to. to, But we are we are not actually spending, um, you know, an extraordinary amount more than any other country. For instance, it is still the third third highest per capita in the EU. And if you look at the budget that the HSE had, which Sinead outlined there, was explained in great detail today. Mm -hmm. Your own party colleague, Pascal Donoghue, according to documents released before Christmas, was one of those to question the budget given to the HSE. Of course, they had wanted uh, €800 more. Uh, He was the one to question the spending of the HSE. So is that money being well spent at the moment is what people will be asking tonight. Well, I think that's a very legitimate question um, and I would answer it with there has been a 27% reduction in waiting lists. They are still terrible, but there has been a 27% reduction in waiting lists across the board. And if I look to Waterford, for instance, uh, given Matt is here, it was possibly one of the most successfully managed uh, hospitals in the country, in the region um, down there is is, is Waterford. But the, the HC, Hospital. given 800, additional fund, 800 million additional funding, less than half than what they had sought. And your colleague, Pascal Donoghue, an official's in his department believed the Department of Health and the HSE had made little 
little effort to reduce spending. So I appreciate you're saying there are sure. lots of good efforts, but yeah. listeners might be asking, is this money being well spent at the moment? Well, I, I would I would actually say that we are getting value for money because the health outcomes are improving and the waiting lists are being reduced. All the while we are redu- we, we are employing more and more people to meet the demands of the Irish people uh, and their health concerns. Um, I mean, I could say to you, Barry, that in, out of, in the OECD, uh, in Western European countries, we're 11th out of 15 in relation to health spends. Um, and we are continuing to invest okay. and, and put more and more money well, into the health service I, as required. Back to the recruitment ban. And Darren O'Rourke, I think you were in the health service the last time there, there was a ban in place, am I right in saying? Uh, what did you make of those comments from Bernard Gloucester? Well, um, I think anyone listening into it would have been or watching in um, would have been incredibly frustrated because I think the vast majority of people who are tuning into that are looking for some hope that there will be progress over the next 12 months. And really what we got a picture of is and we, they outlined it very clearly. Um, very pressurised for this for this year. Um, we we know we have an increase in population. Um, we know we have huge unmet need, and you can go through service after service. Um, and and some of it, in fairness, is is you know a knock on after COVID and you know, the, the the work that wasn't done during COVID. Um, but whether it's CDNTs, uh, whether it's uh, CAMs, mental health services, just such a huge amount of unmet need. And, you know, it doesn't add up where um, the chief executive is saying, like, we've overemployed, where in my area, 50% of CDNT posts are are vacant. child disability network teams children cannot get an appointment they can't get services and there's still an overuse of agency staff and so Mm -hmm. there is a target on that they're hoping to reduce it by 10% but that means that also there's there's nurses yes they are in jobs but they're not maybe in the jobs that they want to be in they're not insecure staff positions the difficulty for me is yeah I I was in during the the, the last uh, recruitment embargo and it does two things I've said it before it it drives good staff away elsewhere and it lets patients down more importantly but what's even more frustrating for me is 20 years ago when I worked in the health service, they talked about reconfiguration as the answer. Let's establish the HSE. Um, 12 years ago, when the Troika were in here, they talked about digitalisation. They talked about overuse of agency staff. They talked about, um, you know, how, how we perform. And... We seem to be no, nowhere further on. It's just hugely frustrating, I think, Many for people. And, and right. some of the things we heard today as well, things like, you know, there's GP, there's GP yep. cards that aren't being used. There's carers uh, allowances that aren't being taken on. There's a lot of stuff that's happening, but is not implemented mm. or executed properly that the people know that it's there for them, that it can be used. You know, GP cards are fine, but is there enough GPs? Is there enough appointments? Is there enough knowledge to get the people who need to use the GP cards to a GP who can actually fa- uh, facilitate them? So all of these, that joined up thinking needs to happen so that we'll see knock-on effects in the hospitals that the HSC is talking Matt about. Matt Shannon, you'll be listening uh, attentively there. You've heard point and counterpoint. What's your view? Yeah, no, I, I suppose it's a combination of frustration and amusement, actually, to be quite frank, listening to it. Because I tell you, Waterford has been the most underfunded Model 4 of, of uh, the nine for the past 10 years. And if you look at the capital funding that's gone into the hospital over a 10-year period, it was €83 million Euro in the past decade. If you compare that to Galway, €248. Euro. If you compare it to Limerick, uh, €219. Euro. If you compare it to Cork, €217 million. Euro. And in this last four years, Warford got €36 million Euro, and those other three hospitals I mentioned got an average of €130 million Euro in capital spend. That's the money you put in to try and create service efficiency. We're not getting 
the money and yet we're the most efficient. We're doing it, by the way, with the least amount of healthcare staff raising up a bed in the country. And how are we doing it? Because there has been significant reform because of the lack of money in that hospital over a decade. And we still need to get more services. We're in exactly the same boat as Darren and Alan have highlighted. Yeah, waiting lists are out the door. But in relative terms, Waterford is doing very well, but it's still not being treated fairly. And one of the reasons, uh, what a supporter of your argument earlier on was your constituency colleague, Marco Cahasig, and he raised the area of the reconfiguration uh, of the HSC into six regional areas, as Sinead mentioned there. Is that perhaps one of the reasons you think that you don't think Waterford is getting a fair crack well, of the whip I would at the say, moment? And I, and I know this to be a fact. For instance, the case in point, we have a HICWA report earlier this year recommended two emergency, additional emergency hospital consultants. They haven't been approved. They haven't. They didn't go to CAAC before the HSC recruitment freeze. At the same time, Cork, which is the governing hospital in the group, another Model 4, was able to take on quite an additional number of staff, even through this uh, health freeze. So there is a disparity. There's certainly not parity of esteem in the hospital networks at the moment and not between individual hospitals. And that is a significant governance issue with the yeah, hospital Darren groups. Yeah, I think one of the features, you know, it has been a criticism for a long time. It was, you know, highlighted in the launch care report. We have a very hospital-centric health health system. Um, and that's something that, you know, all the indicators, the direction of travel is about, you know, care in the community, care as close to home as, as possible. Um, I think the, the regional health areas have the opportunity to uh, uh, address, you know, to, to address that. Only if they work, because... Mm. If it's not that, it's, you know, essentially back to health boards. Or there's, you know, there's and potential yeah, risk in relation to it, but it has to be done right. Well, there is potential in it. The original point with regards budgets and so on and what's mm-hmm. being spent and what should be being spent. Will this reorganisation improve efficiencies, do you think, within the HSE? I believe it will. Um, I believe that the, the plan has is, is long been discussed. Um, so it's, it's high time it was implemented. Um, the budgets are there, uh, the impetus on the HSC to deliver it is there um, and I would be very hopeful that we will see the introduction very shortly, I believe it's to, to occur <coughs> Excuse me, in 2024 um, uh, over the course of the next um, 12 months but one of the other points that I just make I, 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 I'm not 100% certain on the figures so I, I won't question Matt's remarks but the, any question of uh, a, an unfairness in the distribution of funds across the country would be would be unfounded, in my opinion. You'd be um, absolutely I remember, wrong, I remember thanks, totally Matt, I didn't wrong. interrupt you. I, yeah. I remember uh, a, a very lengthy conversation in the Dáil a few years ago uh, in relation to the South East. I'm a former alumnus of, of Waterford, um, went to college down there, uh, um, have some very happy memories from there. And one of the things I would say is the the counterpoint to this narrative that was being spun at the time that uh, there was somehow some disparity of investment across the board, not well, just Matt in the HSE. Matt did have the figures there in fairness. It, well, no, 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 no. I, 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 yeah, but, but the, the language that he used in, refla- in, in relation to the treatment of Waterford specifically, I don't accept. Well, the I other point that I made already, and I'm going to repeat it to again counter the point that has been made, is that the Waterford Hospital has been run extraordinarily well and has some of the best outcomes in terms of patient waiting times, among other things, in the hospital than any other hospital in the country. And, and, and they maybe should be very, and Matt, really I'm sure, is very proud of that, yeah. uh, as, as we all should be. I think we're seeing some of the, the things, just even in this conversation, if we treat <laughs> the HSE or the health service in in regions, in, hopefully the, the regions will all work together and have the power that they need to have while still working as a unit. We're, we're too small a country to 
everyone has Absolutely. to look after their own or each politician mm. from each area has to look after their own because then it'll never be integrated, it'll never work and you'd have people continually having to go across the border to get treatment or on very long waiting lists where you see if there is integrated care and there are people and systems talking to each other like in cataracts where there is a good story and it was talked about today as well the cataracts where we used to see the buses you know the Healy yeah. Ray sending the buses from Kerry up uh, to Northern Ireland that's been reduced the, the buses are still going but they're saying they're going to be and less because they've integrated the service they've, they've figured I, I, out how to get another, another, another part of the, the health service that was raised today and I know Sinead the journal.e has done a lot of good work here is around mental health services and CAMS and Bernard Gloucester saying we've come up short for children with mental health issues and yeah. disabilities and as a social care worker that is something I regret yeah. but Sinead perhaps it's not something new isn't it not? No not at all and I think every single person who's listening who has a family member on a waiting list or who has a family member who they would like to seek help for and it's just turning into dead end after dead end and for each week or each month that children and teenagers don't get any attention from the mental health services they need attention from it, it is catastrophic to their outcomes and we have outsourced so much of the work that is actually being done to charities and NGOs um, that again it all gets fragmented and it gets much harder to pe- for people to access the services they need to access. I've been raising um, CAMS CHO9 specifically um, which is my which is your area, area. Um, in North Dublin, which is one of the worst in the country. And I've raised it on a number of occasions in the Dáil and I'll continue to do so. It's extremely frustrating. Um, the recruitment and retention of the individual, uh, both the social care workers, but also most uh, importantly, as part of that process, to assist as many people, as, we, as young people as we can, we need the consultants. Um, I was informed, I met with the CHO9 in, in Swords just before Christmas, had a lengthy conversation with them, um, with, a, with a team member. And, uh, you know, I know they were able to hire a consultant for the first time in almost a year. I, the numbers, the, the figures in CHO9 are going the wrong way. And I have, again, I have brought that to it, the door. It's two years since the, the Maskey Taoiseach, review. The it's the Minister it's for one health and year and the since the Interim Mental Health Commission review, yeah. which uncovered massive failings across CAMS. And yet yes. still we are having the same conversation well, tonight. Is this is being what treated I will add, with the urgency Barry, what uh, I that it needs and, and it, it deserves. Barry, what I add, add, can I ask and add one question to that as well? Because one of the stories, um, again, our health correspondent, Emer had, uh, Emer McCauley had, was children who are in one service and need the other service, but they're like, it's like playing ping pong with a child. Now, CAMS won't take them because they have autism. Autistic services are saying, no, that child needs mental health services. Just because she's autistic doesn't mean that she doesn't have mental health issues. That And they pass each other instead of being an integrated system saying we can help and we can also help and we share. You you referenced earlier in, 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 uh, in passing in relation to communication issues, one service communicating to the next service. I've come across this so many times I would bore your listeners to tears Barry if I went on about it but those communication issues have real implications that's it I think and Darren and, and my final, and my, looking to get in final here point, as well sorry my final point is the recruitment and retention issue is very very real 
we as a country are not producing enough social care workers and, and the, social workers. And again, workers. I would say the Mental Health Commission report did have recommendations on how to navigate that, which we could discuss in so, another so occasion. But I chaired Darren O'Rourke. No, and I think the difficulty is we, we, we talk round in circles in relation to this stuff uh, very often. And I know it's in, in wider mental health, but is it 2005 or 2006 we had a vision for change, change. you know? Um, what, to, um, to even, I know it's a very delicate subject, but to, to even politicise it for the slightest moment, what sort Solution would you proffer if Sinn Féin perhaps were in the next government to, to fix what seems a very well, I, intractable issue yeah, well, at the well, moment? Well, actually to pick up on, on Alan's point because he's, he's right in relation to it. Like the, the Chief Executive of the HSE said today, we've got more jobs than graduates. Mm-hmm. Um, so workforce planning has to be at the heart. We, you know, we, we have population projections, we have an indication, we have regional plans, we have spatial plans. Um, but we don't seem, uh, sector by sector, to have a workforce plan within our health services that can and you know appreciate that there's flux in terms of and there's a cha- changing nature of, of work and there's international uh, uh, movement of, of people. But really, we're, we're so far off in terms of being su- sufficient or self-sufficient in relation to uh, uh, our workforce Is plan. Is telepsychiatry even a, per- a potential and, solution? And, 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 and the other piece then in relation to it, which is related to all of this, and, and again it was, it, it was raised at the committee today is then you have this environment that is so difficult to bring new staff into and particularly psychiatry uh, um, and mental health is a particular area where people opt for the private and sector in relation to it and um, it's a particular particular area and, and that's a challenge that has to be addressed and, and I was struck by the contribution of her constituency neighbour Verona Murphy she brought forward the case to Bernard Gloucester of a teenager suffering from anorexia, left with her organs on the verge of failure as she waited 30 days in a hospital to be moved to a specialist clinic, despite the clinic having 12 vacant beds. And issues um, around mental health and, and, and around CAMS have been particularly pertinent in the southeast for quite some time, haven't they? And they have, and uh, people might remember back about two and a half years ago, we lost two psychiatrists from the service in less than six months, one after the other, citing intolerable work pressures, lack of resourcing, uh, lack of, of a real drive uh, to try and, and put proper money and put systems in place to deliver people on the ground. And that has been a fundamental mm-hmm. failing. And I think you can see that right into the schools. Just go and talk to uh, excuse me, school teachers who get one or two NEPS appointments in a year. And they've got the principals have teachers coming to them identifying children who need to be have a psychological assessment and they cannot get it done to the public service. And so we have a major problem and I think, to be fair, it's been well um, um, highlighted here, uh, the difficulties in terms of workforce planning. But unless we're going to start creating, you know, uh, occupations and careers for people in this area, letting them know that they're going to be resourced when they get trained up, when they get qualified, we're not going to attract people to it. I was going to say I've raised the issue of the training facility, for, for which I believe is called St. Angeles College, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken um, and really what we need to do is and, and this is this is unfortunately an unpublished report it was a report I was working on in the last all before COVID uh, I was the chair of the children's committee and we put in a down. lot of good work and unfortunately it fell down um, but within that report was, was a body of work that we as a committee had worked on uh, and I should point out a number of members of the committee are still working on uh, on the committee but we found that if we enlarge St Angela's College you still have a demand issue there's still only so many people that would be interested in this profession so the int- and of course we are competing 
for uh, medical staff right across the board on an international scale. So we have to figure out what is the, what is the, the key Sinead. to bring more people S- in. Some are things like I mentioned earlier, some of the successes and obviously anyone who has a success in work, it's very good for your the rest of your year, the, the rest of your career to be able to point to things. So things like the cataracts, advanced nurse partic- practitioners being given the job, cut those waiting lists. Mm-hmm. And they they go and do it. So is there other fields that other medical people can be doing rather than waiting for consultants? It's great. We have 1700 consultants signed on to to the contracts now. But is there other medical staff who are trained and who are capable of doing things in where there are very long waiting lists? Get them trained up, get them to have wins, get them to make the whole workplace more tolerable for everyone who's working. There are solutions that aren't just throwing another 1.75 billion at it. And there are countries doing good things all over the place. Um, in places that you, we mightn't necessarily think about, that we can go learn, bring yeah. it back. And d- like and, the elective surgery, you know, the, the, the dedicated elective hospitals is, is part of that. You know, you can hide throughput, uh, really important uh, care, but really long waiting lists and um, for, for people. And if, if that got done, it would, you know, yeah. significantly. Darren O'Rourke, just the, another area that was touched to the committee before before we move on was the Children's Hospital, the National Children's Hospital that old political chestnut as it seems at this stage. It had been due for completion in October. Um, is Sinn Féin are, are, you, are you confident on that data after what happened at the committee? I don't think there's a there's a soul in Ireland that's confident with, with that date based on, on um, all the previous target dates. They're all on the, the rear view mirror. They, they came and went. Um, but it, it's it's almost, and, and my response is maybe reflective of that, it's, it's, a, it's almost a running joke at this stage. And it's, it's not a funny joke because there's huge state investment and obviously it's a hugely important piece of, of healthcare infrastructure for, for the children of Ireland. So it's really important, in my opinion and Sinn Féin's opinion, that um, that the, the plan that's there from the from the contractor is uh, is, is stood over and, and, and that there is running joke. proper accountability in relation to it. I, I think there's a huge amount of frustration. I wouldn't call it a joke. I, I think this, this is going to be a world-class healthcare facility for the children of Ireland. And, and well, once it, great, and your once, party leader did say in 2016, open. unless an asteroid hit, it will be built by 2022. Well, and Stephen COVID, Donnelly is... Is COVID an asteroid? I think maybe Stephen Donnelly now saying uh, at the committee yesterday that it won't be operational until 2026. So that that's a so a the, big the, bit the, of a the bottom difference. line is that we are at such an advanced stage with this project. Um, I, I was in the general vicinity in December. I had a quick look um, from from a neighbouring building, and it is an extraordinarily impressive facility, mm. even in its state it's, that it's, it's at at the moment. Sorry for the crude I'm, comparison, but it's like being in labour. You hear it's ninety percent done, and then you hear it's ninety percent done. A few, no, listen, <laughs> a few I, I, I've never later. worked in I've never worked in the construction sector, but I do know enough about snags and completion lists and stuff like that to know that it, it absolutely will take the balance of the year for it to be to be completed. And, Ma- and then Shan- there's going to be, of course, but, fit out. But Matt Shanahan, the well. new National Children's Hospital, will be in financial difficulty within the next month or two without additional funds, the Department of Health says. Is there sufficient control of the purse strings even at this late stage? Well, I, I don't think I can answer that because I'm, I'm not sure who can answer it and we're not getting an answer to it. But what I would say, whatever about a world-class facility, we have a world-class price attaching to it. The dearest health infrastructure built anywhere in the world. And we've yet to see how it's going to function and form. I and mean, if I was looking at a hospital, I don't look at the outside of a structure to describe 
fibres. It's a great looking building. I'm interested in how it's going to work in terms of form and function. For it to be completed in and, 2026. And, to be, and, that and it has to be recruited. And previously already, previous people attached to the maternity hospitals have highlighted the difficulty that may be in terms of trying to recruit and retain nursing staff to that hospital well, we for could, a myriad of reasons. We could so write a book on the National Children's we Hospital. Could. I'm Hopefully sure somebody... write a new procurement plan. That's <laughs> all my hope for Ireland is we get a new a procurement few, plan after A few it. texts coming in here. Someone taking umbrage with, with Deputy Shanahan. Waterford Hospital, one of the worst in the country, this one says. It's outpatient hospital only and can't retain staff. I've first-hand experience with this. Um, it'll just ship patients off to Cork or a Dublin hospital. I'm sure the deputy will disagree. Theresa was also in touch. Uh, Alan, when are they, in relation to Alan Farrell, when are they going to build a new hospital in Fingal, given our population is the fastest growing in the country? Perhaps that will be on the doorsteps in the new Fingal constituencies in the general election, perhaps later this year. And another one here, trust me, if you get sick and you live around Waterford, you do your best to get to Cork. That's what that person said. Never thought we might hear that one, but moving on. 